everyone, it's me, Dr. Z. Today we spoke with Katrina Sorrentino, documentary filmmaker and editor, discussing her new documentary title, which is about her experiences dating a narcissist. We dove right into it, and here it is. And did you do this all yourself? So Like from snap to finish, like the filming and the editing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so for the first 10 months I did, um, as I'm sure, you know, from narcissistic relationships, when I got out of it, I just, I didn't even know what had happened to me. And I am a filmmaker. I have been since high school. So I think the only way I knew to start processing it was through film and like looking back through my camera roll, replaying voice notes, like I felt crazy. And so I was trying to find some like mm. sense of normalcy and trying to understand and unpack what had happened. And initially I was like, just, you know, going to interview some friends, interview some therapists to try and understand this word that I kept hearing that may have happened to me, which was NPD, narcissistic abuse. I was like, what is this? Um, and then for the next 10 months, it just kind of rolled into this thing. I started telling friends online that I was raising money to make a short and I raised enough funds to be able to like have a little bit of support to, you know, license music and spend the time having producers help me with it. And I edited it myself and then I applied to film festivals didn't get in, but also there was something about the story that it wasn't there yet. I didn't feel confident putting that version out into the world. And this was the hardest part of the journey because I felt like I had failed and I waited, raised money working just myself on commercials as a producer, or a PM, and then saved money to actually hire a post story writer that I really admire and an editor that I really admire. And then they went through the whole round of post again. So I did have help eventually, but a lot of it to start was on my own. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, and you know, uh, Dr. Z, obviously you got to take a look at this too. And like, it's it, the, the thing that jumps out at me the most is like in season one of our show, you know, uh, very descriptively, Dr. Z is going through what it is, to be in a narcissistic relationship and like it does i just want to emphasize how much that comes out in this film mm -hmm. from everything from you know uh the the love bombing the controlling of finances the i mean i felt like i was going through it with you when you were describing the panic attack controlling the car and that you know oh my gosh i'm i'm controlling your fear and all this other stuff and it's just I don't think we comprehend those type of situations. Yeah. And then especially you being a part of it and, and in the mix of it and having no which way is up or down or left or right. And you have all these friends trying to help you, have family trying to help. And it's just like, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy cycle. And, and I just, what was, yeah, what was overall like uh, the, the, the process of, of getting out of that? And like you said, you're, you're, you know, you're going through your voice notes, you're going through your camera. What kind of steps did you take after you realized what had happened to you? Yeah. Um, and for everyone who's been in these relationships, I've heard that it can take up to seven times for someone to leave a psychologically abusive relationship or to leave a narcissistic abusive relationship. 
For me, it was, and that's why I named the film Title, because it kind of felt like I was in the ocean being dragged under by these waves. There'd be like a little bit of calmness where I would come to clarity and I would like feel that something wasn't right, would feel that I was in a compromised relationship, but then like I would get pummeled again by another like onslaught of love bombing or care. And I had a, a really good friend who explore in the film, Lindsay, who um, she was my anchor in this. She was one of the main people that I would disclose these things to of what was happening when I would have that clarity. Um, but then she would lose me again because I would get pulled out by like another wave of this relationship. And um, and I almost lost her as a result. Uh, and I was isolated from a lot of my friends. I isolated from a lot of my family at this time because I had shame that I was allowing myself. And that's to intentional be in like that. Yeah. Right. And that's that's an intentional, you know, on, on the other person's part is to pull you away from them, you know, and to gradually. But the, it, I think it's the, the interesting part, too, is that it's not just a one it's not just one wave, right? Like it's it's this, like you said, these constant waves and each time you get a little bit further out, further out, further out from shore until you completely lose your footing, right? And so it's almost like, in a, in a we- I know I said this to you before, I feel, I feel weird saying like creative and good job with such a vulnerable topic, but the, your ability to use your background and your experience in filmmaking allowed you to have the objectivity to see what reality was whereas most people they don't they don't have that they don't have it stored in their phones they're not filming anything so it saved it really saved you I was thinking about this the other day it saved you because it gave you that objectivity that that is the one thing that's missing when people are in narcissistic abusive relationships they don't have that objectivity um and so I think that that was something really the at least that stuck out to to me um you know and one of the things too that i wanted people to know also was um again the the title of your movie is title <laughs> no, no, spelled differently no pun intended. Um, <laughs> t-i-d-a-l um and can you just kind of give listeners an understanding of how how it even came to be that you got on video this relationship because you know you are a filmmaker and so it's normal for you to film your day-to-day but a lot of us film our day-to-day not in the same context but everybody has an iphone everybody's filming everything um but at what point when you were filming you filmed your first date the first time you were meeting at what point while you were filming that did you say to yourself Okay, now I'm filming for a different purpose. I didn't realize what I had been doing until after it had ended. And there are holes too. The whole like the whole definitely... the whole relationship or Yeah. I oh, okay. and you know, there are holes visually. Like sometimes I rely on just voice notes because I don't have video from the relationship. Sometimes I rely on just a photograph because I don't have video from the from everything. But I would say that I'm accustomed to filming a lot of my life because of my community back in New York. I was part of this community of photographers and filmmakers, and um, it's very normal for me to be out at 
coffee and filming filming it right. like I'm on a trip with my sister right now and she was with one of her friends and she was like oh don't mind Katrina she's gonna film us like that's just what she does so it was it's it's very habitual for me and it just really came uh to good use in this <laughs> for this yeah. film yeah while the while the relationship was happening itself did you watch any, you know, because anytime someone's in a relationship, we, you know, we go back, we look at our old pictures, our old videos. While you were in the actual relationship, either during the highs or the lows, which again is part of a cycle, right? Um, did you ever look at any of those videos or pictures and did it influence you deciding to leave? Was any of that part of your decision? I would say no. I mean, I think if anything, it kept me a little bit more trapped because, for example, after I saw him change for the first time and the devaluing started, I would go back and play those voice notes from the love bombing phase. And I was like, am I crazy? Uh, like, did I just make this all up? Uh -huh. And then I would rehear the love bombing and I was like, oh, no, like he really cares. Like, this is just a bad spot. So I think if anything, it maybe kept me in it for a little bit longer it really was me confiding in a couple close people and at the end of the day having to choose between their opinion which they've known me longer versus his that's what really but, got me out that's that's a really so i just you know for people that are listening that have been in this type of relationship um or people that haven't that can't understand why you just can't leave the fact that you still maintained the ability to listen to the opinions of others while immersed in a narcissistic abusive cycle is 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 like 0.001% that that's going to happen like that because that means that there's something with you some sense of resiliency something some part of you that that you know still had one foot on the shore at that point because it's so easy to get lost in that and what a narcissist does in a relationship is they, you know, they tell you they don't trust this person or they don't really like that person that much. And so before you know it, you're starting to isolate yourself and you're brainwashed to think that their opinions are wrong. They don't really know you. They don't love you like I love you. And so the fact that you still listen to other people during this, I don't think people realize how abnormal that is in these types of relationships because this is not a normal type of breakup. And I think I got, I mean, it feels really messed up to say, but I feel like I got lucky in a way, like, because, and that's why I want to release this film and what my intention has been always, like, I know I got out. I know that in the grand scheme of things, I've heard people who've been like, they've gotten out of 35 year marriages with narcissists. Yeah. I was in this yeah. for a year. Um, and still, I'm wow. still healing. Like it was a year yeah. of my life total. And I'm still, I reached out to you last week and I was like, Hey, looking for yep. a therapist. Some stuff is coming back yep. to sort of bite me and bite me. And I need to tend to this, you know? So I feel weird saying that, but I think in the grand scheme of things, like my situation was short. Um, it was also happening in a pandemic when we were all isolated from, from mm -hmm. loved ones. Um, it was just this interesting, like point in time but um you're right I am lucky that I I had friends like religiously kind of calling me and checking in on me 
Yeah, I always tell family members when they say to me, you know, what, what my my daughter's with a narcissist or my, my son's with a narcissist, what do I do, what do I do? And, you know, the, the most important thing I tell them is even if you despise the person that they're with, yeah. continuously let them know that you love them and you're there, always, because they're going to need you at some point, and no matter how bad it gets, no matter how detached they become from you, always let them know you're there. It could be six months you haven't spoken to them because at some point that's what they're going to need to pull them out outside of this. Otherwise, you you lose all of that, and and you can see how how easy it is to get to get stuck in that. But you know, to your point, when you say it's only a year, um, these types of relationships can do so much damage in three weeks, in three yeah. months. You know, so ten years, ten you know, ten days, one year, it ten really seconds. ten yeah, seconds. Sheesh. It really yeah. doesn't matter. Um, you know, so it, it's it's. It's not even like the longer you're in. It's just that it's the it's, oh, I want to say like the quality of it, but it's like it truly is like the way the actual relationship is itself. It's kind of has nothing to do almost with the time that you're in it because it's that damaging. It's forever um, changed me. You know? Yeah, I do feel for sure. As though like I think the grief of that relationship is that I lost. I feel as though I've lost something about my core outlook on the world um mm -hmm. and i'll go on but it's forever affected the way that i trust people i don't sure really sure at you know until they've proven over time that they are trustworthy and i think i used to give that away a lot more liberally yeah yeah and, I, yeah i could see how that could happen easily and one of the things that like i love about the film the most and certainly i'm just gonna let people enjoy it uh, when they come out so it won't give everything away, but just you do put that context of support in this film a lot, and I think that is so important for both sides, and I'll even say, I know you said you were lucky, but it, clearly it's, I think it's more about investing into the person because they know how great you are, right? And they know that... I, know, I was going to say that too, yeah, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you handle that one. Yeah. I heard luck. I was like, no, yeah, it's yeah. not luck. It's not luck. It's not luck. <laughs> Uh, that's not luck. So that's that's why we know, like you know, uh, more reason why, and it sh and it shows that in this film too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but it really does show how wonderful your friends are, uh, your family especially. There's so many quotes in there. I think from your mom and dad and your friends that are just your just parents. Like, can I just wait? I was yeah. watching. I'm like, can can they can they adopt me? That's okay. <laughs> They're <laughs> so cute. I mean, it really was hard at 32 years old. Like it was hard leaving my house again. I was like. I, don't, I wouldn't leave your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah. <laughs> Stay there forever. <laughs> I was like, all my core needs are met. You know, I just don't have romance <laughs> in my life. So, like, got mom and dad, got the dog. Like, we're chilling. We're set. What else yeah, do good. you need? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go make my a movie. The... I don't, yeah, again, yeah. I don't want to give anything away, but like, my favorite, I think one of my favorite parts, of course, me, this is my favorite part of the movie. When you're playing Uno. <laughs> Oh, when you're playing Uno? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. she's just like, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite. Oh, my God. Well, and that's, I guess, <laughs> you, you led me right to my next question because, like, you know, I've experienced Los Angeles plenty, right? And, like, I made a joke with Dr. Z in season one that is, like, you know, you shake a map, and that's pretty much where all the narcissists land is, like, in that desert. So 
I'm sure I totally understand the, probably the apprehension of like, yeah, I'm going to return to a place that is full of this crap and in a business that's totally full of shit and just like, yeah, I'm still going to go and do this. So one, I think that's very admirable and kind of also seeing the, the steps in your recovery and that and feel more comfortable, more like yourself. But like what was... What did make you choose Los Angeles again? Because it's a very unique city, to put it a, a, a one way. Yeah, 100%. Um, my best friend is there right now, and I'm a filmmaker, and I have, I have big dreams still of, of what I want to make in filmmaking. I feel like this relationship was a little... A little detour that I wasn't expecting, but like mm -hmm. I have a TV show I'm developing. I have a big virtual reality experience I want to make um, about the female body. So it's like all those people are there and yeah. I just didn't want to let that experience control and dictate the rest of my life. I lived in New York for 12 years. I felt like I was done with New York. Um, but I don't feel like I'm done investing in in what I have to say as a filmmaker and as a person, right? And my community is currently there in Los Angeles and coming from New York and living communally, communally for so long. Like I was in an artist house for many years and I just know the benefit of being physically close to people. And I think we've all seen that again in the pandemic and not being able to be yeah. in community. So that's a huge value of mine. Um, but I won't lie, like, I get scared sometimes just being in proximity to where that relationship happened. And it's not like I just moved there and everything is great. I feel like with recovery, um, I'll have a couple good months and then I'll feel like I'm kind of like sideswiped again and I have to heal or I have to reach out to friends or I have to find a, a therapist and then I'll have a couple good months and then, um, you know, I'm back. So, um, but yeah, it was very important to me to continue with my life once I felt like I could, once I felt like I was strong enough. Good. Uh, there's no better place to get a burger than, uh, by the way, uh, Sunset and Vine, the Bowery. They serve it on an English muffin. I think about it every <laughs> seven days. So, from me to you. Those burgers, those burgers that you think about, you know, that keep you up at night, you're, that's worth going. You're going to have to give me that. <laughs> give me that yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you all the great, all the great burger spots in, in California. Absolutely. Um, so I had I actually had a question that I think um, I think would be helpful for people to to hear. Um, looking back, what would you say to your former self, knowing what you know now? I would say that there is no one more important than your own agency and boundaries. So by that, I mean, I think a lot of times I see even in healthy relationships, um, people put their own self on pause or start to people please or hide parts of their identity to be loved by somebody else. And mm -hmm that I've seen time and time again in my own life, it does not lead to, <laughs> does not lead to health. Right. So I would tell myself looking back, like there is no one or no thing that is more important than like your fidelity to self, your, your own, you know, keeping your own word of what you said you're going to do. 
And I'm still living that lesson today. Um, But I I feel as though when he came in to my life, I quickly started making justifications. Like my friends were like, oh, but I thought you said you're going to finish that residency and do that thing. And I'm like, oh, but I've changed my mind. I want to do this thing. And they're like, okay, but I thought you said that that thing's really important to you. And I'm like, oh, well, it is still important, but like now it's important in this way. And I was just making excuses for myself. And, you know, my nearest and dearest called me out on it, but... Um, but I had to learn that our, lesson yeah. for myself. Our brains play trick. They play they, our bla- brains play tricks on us, especially when it's being manipulated. Yeah. Um, you know. So again, and then I'll, I know you have a question. John. I'm, oh no, I'm no, like, no, I'm like I could great. talk this to you is, like for yeah, hours about keep this. Going. Yeah, so yeah. as somebody who specializes in narcissistic abuse, when I watch this, one of the things that was so. Um, I guess jarring. Oh, did you freeze? Can you hear me? Okay. There you go. Okay. Um, one of the things that was most jarring to me was, you know, and I, and I say this all the time, um, and I know people, I get pushback for this, but uh, narcissistic personality disorder is one of the, if not the only diagnosis where the symptoms of which are identical, no matter who you are, what's going on, where you're, I mean, it literally has it's it's it may actually be the only one because other things have like cultural influences or something it's 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 so um mind-blowing to me that it's such a distinct playbook but the behaviors of it are so nuanced and to have a playbook of such nuanced behaviors that is consistent across anyone who has it so we know this clinically right and we know this in in hearing you know my patients talk about their significant others but to actually see it on screen play out in the exact blueprint order that I talk about all day long and that I hear about all day long, to actually see it play out is so, like, I don't even know the word for jarring, but it's so disturbing. Disturbing, yeah. It's so yeah. unbelievably disturbing. That's it. And I think you you captured that. And I, and I spoke to you about this the other day. You captured it so well, like it, like the textbook nature. Like we have a secret language, you know, you're my, you're my soulmate. And it's like, that's what that's they say, what you know, yeah. and literally each thing. And as soon as you called him out on it, it was, are you take, are you not taking meds that you're supposed to? I'm like, wow. Like, and, and, and for somebody who's never heard it, it's so upsetting, but for somebody who's aware of those patterns and now you looking back at it, you, you almost want to say like, that's so, that's so predictable. Right. But at the time you just don't, but seeing it from, from my perspective and, and seeing it play out is, is just, I I sat there with like my jaw on the floor. You don't want to think it's real. You you don't want to think it's real. This is not a documentary. This is just a thriller. Like that's how I felt. Not a reality. I was like, please tell me it's not. It really doesn't play out exactly like this. And I already know the answer, but to actually see it, it's like holy shit. Yeah, (laughs) because even in the context of knowing what I'm about to see, it's still like. Holy cow! And 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 I felt sick. I mean, I felt. I really like. I don't know. It was, disturbing. Yeah. it was disturbing when Meryl and I were trading stories. So Meryl is the previous yes. girlfriend of my ex yes. who dated him seven years prior to me. 
And when we were trading stories, it was almost like she and I were the same person. Same person. Like, forget about the seven years that separated us. It yes. was like, oh, that happened to you. Oh, that happened to me. Yes. Oh, that happened to you. Oh, that happened to me. Yep. And that's because, the, not you, obviously, but that is because, and you'll hear this so frequently, that is because they view human beings in their life as objects, irreplaceable objects. So, you know, I have one coffee cup, I have the other coffee cup, they both hold coffee, who cares? I'll take this one out and I'll take this one out. It doesn't matter, it's just I need to drink my coffee. So it's, 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 that's how they view people, that they don't have emotions, they don't have opinions, they're not human beings separate from them, they're just objects for their use, whatever that use is, whether it's finance, whether it's friendship, whether it's sex, whether it's work, it doesn't matter. So when people describe these stories, even if it's in the same relationship or, you know, when I've held support groups for, for women and, and men, you hear their stories, they're identical. The details are different, but they're identical. And it's because they're viewed as objects. Um, yeah. and, and again, that part, too, to hear that, I would imagine you hearing that for the first time was, I guess, reassuring on one on one hand, but on the other hand, so upsetting that you have to now look at this relationship as something that it wasn't yeah. and that's very traumatizing for people that that all that whole relationship didn't really exist in a weird way a hundred percent I think that's the hardest thing about this whole experience right and when I said that I feel like I've lost a core part of my innocence or the way that I look at the world and which is why I also think this kind of relationship can happen to anyone if you're not if you're not if you haven't already gone through it because until you've been in a relationship with a narcissist or a sociopath, if your brain does not have that disorder, you're not thinking that it's even possible that right. someone could lie to you about the things that they lie to you about. Like you're not, you don't see the world in the same way that these people do. So correct, you're never thinking that someone is going to be that audacious in the lies that they tell you, and yet they do. And so it was sort of breaking up with that innocence and accepting finally like okay there are people in the world that do this that's how they work and my healing is tied to the acceptance of that truth and i wonder that's that's uh i'm gonna write this down because i'm afraid oh. to say it oh okay go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. but uh i guess when it's when you're thinking about this and you want to tell this truth to everybody and ultimately your goal is to be successful for sure um have any of those things crossed your mind on like you've kept this person pretty anonymous throughout the film, but you know if they know you, they're gonna know it's it's them. So I I just wonder, are you, do you have those thoughts in the back of your mind? I was like, great, this film's awesome, but if he tries to step back in my life somehow, well, shit. So uh, have you has that gone through uh, your mind at all? Yeah, I mean, strangely, just last week out of nowhere, like I said, like I've been doing really well out of nowhere, had a panic attack driving home, hadn't had one since that relationship. Um, oh. and was overcome by thoughts of like, Oh wow, I've been so cavalier, like posting Instagram stories. Like this person could easily figure out what part of town I live on, where I live. And I don't usually get scared, but that is still there in a pocket of my brain. And that's where I, even if this person is harmless and would never do anything to me, that's how I discern that this is way different from the marriage I was in, for example. I never right. have thoughts of my ex-husband, like 
going to harm me physically in any way. And that's how I know it was psychological abuse because just that the programming is in my brain and my brain can go there when I'm feeling vulnerable or I'm not in a good space. Like that's how I know that this was like was different categorically. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little scared. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And I appreciate you being (laughs) transparent with that too. Cause I know that's, it's, uh, and that's one of those things that I think we discuss a lot of the times too. It's just like, you know, there's these very traumatic experiences and, and, how they can rob you of the simple things is posting on Instagram on your story, you know, and yeah. it's just like another thing that you go, well, I've got to either adjust, take away. It's just uh, it, it, you never really understand, especially to where those panic attacks are going to come in from and how they're going to swoop in. So it's just, um, yeah. I'm really proud of you too, by the way, if that was like one of your Thank first you. ones ever since, you know, that, so that's, that's, that's great. Um, and it really was important uh, to me. You know, it's important to me to keep him anonymous. You don't know this in the film, but all of the voice notes from him were re-recorded with an actor. Um, so it, it was important to me Smart. to protect his identity because I really do not wish him ill. I do not. I mm-hmm. hope he gets help. I hope he enjoys the rest of his life. I hope he gets healthy. I hope he can find some type of relief. I, I know that the only reason he's treating people like that is because he's in so much pain. And I'm at a point in my healing where I can see that, but that took a a long time to get to that place for me to be able to see that. Um, But I do hope the reason why I was, why I tried to be as specific as possible about who he is is because I want him to be a stand in so that many other people like myself can see themselves in it and can get out. Well, two things. One, I think I just want to say you, you nailed the whole idea of, that point in your life when you realize that things will not be the same as far as trusting other people or um, where you realize that there are actually people out there who function like this. And it's that point for a lot of my patients that um, that's that's the kind of that identifiable moment where they feel that they've lost something that they can't get back. And I think you really put that into a really good way of, of saying that because it's hard to it's really hard to articulate that 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 moment, and that's exactly what it is. And it's it's that innocence that you talk about, and, and kind of taking that away. Um, and I think that you know people really need to understand that that's traumatizing. I mean, it really changes your entire perception of not only the people around you, but yourself in relation to the people around you. Um, and so I I think that that was really well said. My weird question is this is that I can honestly tell you that I have never heard anybody that I've worked with who has been in a narcissistic relationship say what you just said. That I hear you or you're saying, I covered his identity. My first thought was, that's so smart. But here's what I was going to say. That's so smart that you're not giving him that notoriety because he's going to love that he's the center of it. By not using him, you're kind of, kind of, you know, you're depriving him of that supply. You went (laughs) the whole other way of you don't want to, like, disrupt his life almost. Like, you, you almost, you know he's in so much pain and that's why he does this to people. I have... I don't think I have ever heard anybody say that that I've worked with who's been with a narcissist. So I'm just curious 
how it how that perspective came to be because I would imagine that feels less heavy. And how do you, what can you tell people who are listening to this? Um, how you got there, and is it necessary to get there for healing? I got there, I remember taking Narsanon's online course, and it talked about how NPD forms, right? And it starts with a core shame wound in children, that they are either, either over-coddled or under-nurtured. Usually there's abuse in their past. And I don't say this, and I want to be very careful, because I'm not making excuses for their behavior. Mm-hmm. They can right. change, they just choose not to. But um, with that, I, it makes me feel a lot more sane to flip the narrative knowing, and I think this has, the reason I can think this way is because I've spent a lot of time investing in and loving myself. And so as my self-worth has raised, as my love for self has increased, I can't think of another option. Like I'm, I'm wonderful. We're all wonderful. I'm not deserving of being treated in that way. And for someone to treat me the way that they did, they are, they must be in so much pain because I'm Mm -hmm. not worth that. But I think everyone has to get to, I don't think I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. It's like dead silent here. We're like, I'm so proud of you. Really, like, believe me, I'm not a saint. Like, you know, I still, oh, I still please. have my own. I, mean, I still John have my own work to do with <laughs> friends, and you know, and in work yeah. dynamics, I'm standing up for myself. Like, I'm still learning that sure. daily sure. in working dynamics and as a human being. But, but it's just very clear to me. Like, wow, you must be in so much pain. It's like bullying, right? Like, yeah. bullies are covering up for low self worth, self esteem issues. Like, no one. When people say judgmental things about other people, it's always a reflection of themselves. And I'm just training myself to see that in the world versus the alternative that I was taught. And I think the only the only world in which a narcissist is going to be able to survive is a world in which we collectively all devalue ourselves. And look how much money and resources are spent specifically for women, like in the beauty industry, Mm -hmm. in like the Mm -hmm. predication that there's something wrong with us. So then a narcissist comes in and they're like, hey, you look like you've gained a little weight or they start nagging you and you're like, you believe them subconsciously. And I believe that it's our work to elevate so that they don't they can't get in there and they can't win anymore. I love that. You're amazing. Yeah. I mean, like you are you are like, (laughs) yeah, like I were to just. Yeah. I think we should have you on every day. (laughs) Yeah. Let's have it. Yeah. It's now the daily with Dr. Z and Katrina. I mean, like, just the way you talk about things. It's just so, like... yeah, it's Back it's just very well. You're just such a you're like a like the I don't even have words. I just love her. <laughs> I just love her. You're just I don't. You're such a good. You're just I mean, such a I good soul. The amount of time I've spent crying in my bedroom, you know, just. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but, but I gotta tell you, I mean, self work, right? It is. It is, and you are just such a. You're just such a good. Like you're just such a good soul, and I'm just so proud of you. Like really. I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing because it's going to take all of us to 
I mean, you know, my heart goes out to so many people who are in these relationships with bosses and like yes. their, their financial lives are reliant upon this or who marriages with kids. I'm like, oh, gosh, it's going to take all of us to help each other not stand for this abuse because it, it really is like towards the end of that relationship. I had lost like 10 to 15 pounds, which I'm 5'10". So like that yeah. amount of weight on me looks like I'm, you know, way malnourished and I was not sleeping and. It, it takes a toll and it's going to take all of us. The work that you're doing is so important to help people wake up and ask for something different in their lives because they don't deserve that. No, no, I mean, no, nobody does. Yeah. Yeah. And um, going from like, that's why we're kind of urging everybody that's uh, watching and listening to. Um, well, first of all, how could is it possible to see uh title uh, in, unless it's in you know, some uh, glorious film festival, which it should be, and then we'll gladly wait until there's a big release. But where, where, if and when can we see title? Yeah. So people can follow my progress uh, on my Instagram, at Trina Photo. That's T-R-E-E-N-A, photo. Um, there's also titledocumentary.com. We're applying to film festivals right now, but my intention with this has always been to give it to the hands of the community. So Dr. Z and I hosted a rough cut screening last year for folks that have been following my process for a long time. And it really was awesome. just a vehicle for people to share their experiences. And I intend to do that a lot more as well, organizing community screenings, hopefully in person, mm -hmm. um, and then submitting it to be licensed to schools and, and libraries, because I really think oh, that's that's great. my goal would be if it could get into like, university curriculum or high school yep. curriculum to talk yes. about that would be awesome so that's that that's where amazing. my mind is going it's like prevented i say this all the time if you don't know the red flags anybody anybody can get sucked into these relationships doesn't matter how smart you are doesn't yeah. matter who you every anybody can get sucked in so i look at all this and like what you're talking about is is preventative medicine it's it's learning what this is so that you don't get into that or at least if you get into it you notice it faster so you can get out sooner um yeah. but one of the things uh, really quickly that i i know that we had talked about before was you kind of you made this more about what was going on in your mind internally emotionally and that the education piece would kind of be after and so what if any if anybody could get anything from this kind of education wise what what would you want them to learn from watching this when they do watch mm. it If anyone makes you feel like you can't trust yourself or if the thought goes off in your head, you're feeling crazy, run, <laughs> just, just run. <laughs> like, yeah, just run. Yes. Like yes. if anyone makes you doubt yourself, if they say they feel like they've known you for a million years, they feel like you're soulmates and it, it, that, that is happening really early on. I mean, sadly, I think. Disney, love Disney, it was raised on Disney, but sadly, like Disney and all the stories we have. I, do I say up. this all the time? I say this all the time. I said Disney has screwed us up so yep. much. Yep. I was just, I, 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 I not even, just interrupt, but I, I am actually intending to interrupt. <laughs> not, not to interrupt, but my daughters watched Frozen all the time. Yep. And one of the scenes is Anna meets the prince, like at the ball, at the whatever that was, the we feed into each other's sandwiches. Right, the court, thing, whatever right? it was. Yeah. Yes. And she's like, she goes to her sister and she says, we fell in love. We're getting married. And my daughters are watching this and I'm sitting there going, 
no, no. Like, and I had, and I wanted to, they thought it was so cute and they have their prints and this. And I had to explain to them, like, they're seven and four. And I'm like, she doesn't know him. <laughs> That's not how this works. Yes. They yes. need to, they need to know each other, you know, and I'm trying to explain it to, and I'm just sitting there going, thanks, Disney. Like, really, mm-hmm. like Cinderella, like all of them. They're so glorified. None of that exists. And if we think that that's, if we idealize, we have this idealized view of like, I don't even know. And it's just wrong. And it gets yeah. us into this fantasy world that that's what we're looking for. And it's not real. It's not even, forget yeah. that it's not real. It's, I don't even, I'm not even being pessimistic. It's just not, it's not even possible. It doesn't even make yeah. sense. I think, and I, I think that's where it's tricky. Like, It is real, but I would say the majority of times, like maybe there's like a 10% amount that's real, but 90% of it comes with a lot of pain. And so it's just better to move at the speed of trust and people really do reveal who they are over time, over time. And how can you be someone's soulmate if you, I jokingly say this, but I mean it, how can you be someone's soulmate if you don't even know like what their favorite color is? Their food, or their last when where their last name, their middle name, where <laughs> yeah, they were born. Right, like, right. what do you? I mean, and I'm just listen. I'm sure there's people that meet for the first time and they're like, oh, "This is it. I can just tell." And and it's great, but that's the tiniest percentage. Yes. Uh, so yes, run away. Very good advice. Um, don't <laughs> run away from watching title because I think that is a, a fantastic uh, message that you're creating there. And the fact that like I didn't even know you want as many people to see this is uh, even better. So, um, yeah, Dr. Z is right. You're going to have to talk to us a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, so, uh, I know. You're like one of my favorite people to talk to. But anything else that you would like um, anyone to know about this film, you, or uh, where else we can find other works uh, before we say goodbye? Uh, no, uh, my website is treentreen.com. That's my nickname. Um, and yeah, just follow along on Instagram to follow my journey because I would love to meet, you know, anyone that wants to meet me in person, I'd love to meet them at a community screening and again, figure out how this film, I made it as an offering to be used for, for awareness. So reach out to me. How can it be used for your community? And, and let's talk. We should host one in Philly for her. Yes. Uh, whatever you need so in Philadelphia, Bring it's already it done. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. We will, we, we will do it 100%. We're, yeah. We'll do it. It's already done. It's done. Vince is already He's uh, already giving us a thumbs up. up. Phone. Like, yep, we're doing this. So this is good. I'm on my way. Um, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know I adore you. And thank you so much for taking the time and talking about something, again, that's so vulnerable yet so important and you're really helping so many people. So I'm just honored and privileged to even know you and that you trust us with this. And so thank you. Honor is mine. Thank you both so much. Means means a ton. Like me, little me whittling away in my parents' dining room, editing title, would, never would have thought <laughs> this day would be here. So I'm just grateful. Thank you. 